Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 70. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have second degree black belt Chris Rodriguez. She's the co owner of Gracie Pack MMA in Tampa, Florida, the founder of JITS University 2.0, and the CEO of Grow Pro Digital Marketing Agency. She talked about the imposter syndrome, the importance of finding a mentor that is living the life you want to live, and the concept of the three T's to success. My takeaway from the interview came when I asked her, how does jiu-jitsu relate to life? And her answer inspired me to title this episode, Greedy Mindset, G-R-I-T-T-Y. Stick around for my final thoughts after the interview when I share with you a concept from the best-selling book, Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance by Angela Duckworth. Stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Chris Rodriguez. She is a second-degree black belt under Rob Kahn, and she is a co-owner of Gracie Pack MMA in Tampa, Florida. Chris has a degree in elementary education from the University of South Florida, which she has utilized to become an expert in children's martial arts training and development. Chris is a lifelong martial artist and has used the knowledge she has gained to found JITS University 2.0, which is an all-inclusive guide to running a profitable school from start to finish that has assisted over 400 academies across the world. Chris is also the CEO of Grow Pro Agency, a digital marketing agency that runs social media campaigns for martial arts schools. She has also hosted a mastermind program for school owners for two years called JAC, JITS Academy Coaching. Chris lives in Tampa, Florida with her wife, Stephanie, and has two sons, Nate and Darian. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Gustavo, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to drop some uh, knowledge bombs today on your listening, uh, for your listeners. Yeah, you got a pretty cool resume. You're all over the place doing all kinds of stuff. Matter of fact, uh, we've been using the, the JITS Academy for the past two years. And my academy with uh, Sarah Black, our coach, you know, she'd been utilizing a lot of things from your program. So, yeah, it's good stuff. That's so tell awesome. us, tell us how martial arts got into your life and eventually jujitsu. Yeah, so I've been a lifelong martial artist. Uh, where my kind of first interest sparked is my mom used to take aerobics classes at the YMCA in New Jersey, and in the room right next door they had martial arts. My mom also judo growing up in the Bronx, 
and uh, she always had had a love for martial arts. So when we moved to Tampa, she picked me up one day from school. I'll never forget it. It was March 15th, 1993. And she asked, you want to go try martial arts? And I said, absolutely. And I'll never forget that very first introductory lesson. Uh, my instructor's name, his name was Mr. Chin. And it was literally the day that forever changed my life. Um, it was a Junri Institute of Taekwondo school. Um, back in 1993, BJJ hadn't really exploded just yet. And I fell in love with being in the martial arts. I fell in love with not only training, but also helping uh, other students. I also got to see really how a well-oiled machine worked, um, which was something that really helped build JITS University. Uh, I think it's kind of known in the jiu-jitsu community. A lot of owners and instructors are kind of running what I would call a passion project versus actually professionalizing their business. And when I uh, was training in Taekwondo, my instructor uh, at the time, his name was Ryan Cook, he started doing seminars with Hoist Gracie and Hickson Gracie. And he started bringing jujitsu into our master's club program. And it was very much like Gracie combated jujitsu. And um, <laughs> I honestly hated it. I did not like it at all. I was uh, smaller than everybody else. I was, you know, like one, the only girl that was, that was in there as well. And I would get my butt whooped. And I really did not like jujitsu when I first started. A um, couple of years went by and I said, you know, I, I want to get good at this because I did not like not being good at it. So I started training at a Gracie Baja school where my instructor was training. And um, it was, uh, you know, uh, uh, one of those facilities that was in a warehouse, no air conditioning. Did his billing on a white dry erase board. He would put everybody's name and the day that the, the payment was due. And if you were late, your name would be in red, you know, uh, very kind of old school. And really when I started taking jujitsu from, you know, an actual jujitsu school, it was, it was predominantly gi. I started enjoying it uh, a little bit more. So literally I've been, you know, doing jujitsu since I was about 12. That's when they introduced it in, in our Taekwondo school, but I didn't really get into the culture of it till I was about 16. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how, you know, jujitsu showed up in my life. And I really fell in love with jujitsu when I met my current instructor, Rob Khan. Rob is the uh, very first black belt from Hoist Gracie. There was a group of guys that got their black belts and he was, you know, the, in that group. And Rob was really more of a nogi player. And uh, he really made me fall in love with nogi jujitsu. Um, the gi man, like these big, you know, big strong guys would grab my lapel and like I just couldn't go anywhere so stripping that gi off and getting to roll no gi was a lot faster paced and I'm, I'm pretty quick on the mat so it really allowed me to leverage my talents and my skill base and um, I started with Rob when I was 20 years old and I've been with him for the past 15 years now nice so how do you feel jiu-jitsu relate to life some of the lessons that you got through jiu-jitsu yeah you know i mean we we've all heard the quote the mat doesn't lie right and i just you know i think that's one of my favorite aspects of jiu-jitsu and it's you know slightly different from taekwondo so when i was going up through the ranks in taekwondo i would compete often 
And I wasn't a huge fan of sparring, but I loved doing forms, also known as katas. And I would compete at the U.S. Open, musical forms, absolutely fell in love with it. But the realistic aspect of forms and katas is very much lacking. It's just not there. And that's what I really loved about jujitsu is that you, you couldn't hide, right? If you get beat, you, you beat. If you're tapping, you lost. And um, I, I really fell in love with the culture of it as well because it was more laid back than the traditional Taekwondo, right? Bowing on the mat, bowing to your instructor. Um, and it was just kind of like a completely different world, right? They were still martial arts, but completely different worlds. And to me, jujitsu, um, along with just the lessons that I think martial arts, I, I don't think this is just related to jujitsu. I think the martial arts in general teach you grit. And, and I think, you know, for, for any parent, me as a parent, if I had to choose one characteristic that I would want my child to have for the rest of their life, if I had to think of one characteristic that I think every entrepreneur should have in order to help them reach their goals, the answer is grit. And that's what jujitsu teaches you. It, it teaches you grit because you're going to be the nail a lot more often than you are the hammer. And it's what we do and the decisions we make when we are being challenged and when we are in uncomfortable situations is ultimately going to determine whether or not we're successful. Absolutely. Now, when did you have the spark to pursue the vision of making a living martial arts to figure out like, you know what, I think I really want to do this for the rest of my life? Yeah, you know, my vision has changed over the years. Um, and I, I think evolved, most people, probably, you know, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's evolved. I knew from the first day I stepped on the mat after that first lesson that this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I still have blueprint drawings from when I was a kid. I used to draw out what my ideal martial arts school mm. would look like. And it had multiple training spaces. It had homework area. It had offices. It had a fitness area. Um, literally was creating those blueprints when, when I was a kid. And I thought I would have a Taekwondo school, right? But that vision evolved once I started learning jujitsu. And my Taekwondo, I, I became a head instructor. I was the first female instructor for this business that had been open for 30 years. They were operating for 30 years. They were one of the most popular Taekwondo schools in Tampa, but they had never had a female instructor. And when I took over the school, I really wanted to implement more jujitsu because I knew the power of it. I also knew that I wanted to arm my students with more than just punching and kicking the air. My students would ask me like, you know, Miss Rodriguez, why are we blocking like this? And I wouldn't have an answer for them. And, and the answer was, well, because that's the way that I was taught, right? So it was really lacking the realistic self-defense aspect. However, the life skills was there, you know, teaching children and adults how to build confidence and discipline and focus was there. But really what was missing was the realistic aspect. So I wanted to implement more jujitsu and they didn't. So I made a very, very difficult decision when I was 20 years old. This was the school that I had been training at since I was eight years old. I was there for 12 years and I made a decision to leave because our visions didn't really align. And I, uh, my instructor, Rob Khan at the time, I was training with him and he had four students in his school. 
And uh, I, uh, I said, Rob, you know, do you want some help with your kids program? Looks like you could use some help. And he said, absolutely. And I took it over. And in under a year, we grew that program to 100 kids. It was phenomenal. It was a beautiful partnership. Um, so then my vision had changed from wanting to own, you know, a traditional martial arts school to wanting to own a more modern martial arts school, but with also traditional values. And um, over the years, that has changed from wanting to help people on the mat to wanting to help business owners off the mat. And I think, you know, ha as I have evolved as a business owner, my vision has, has also evolved. But at the end of the day, the vision has always been helping people achieve their human potential, whether that's on the mat in the martial arts, whether that's for an adult at their job, whether that's for a martial arts school owner to level up, you know, their business. At the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's helping others reach their human potential. And Fortunately, I get to use the vehicle of martial arts to, to help do that. And I think it's great you mentioned about the vision of being aligned and, and being able to make that difficult call of like, uh, you know, I can't imagine like how tough that is. And this is a lot of the times in business, people get stuck in a situation, sometimes not necessarily in jujitsu training, but in business that they are like got to a point that they they have a partner or they're in a place that they look at it like the values are not matching or the vision is not really, um, really happening and making that decision. And of course, you'd not be where you're at if you didn't make this tough decision. And very often people need to uh, stop and really reflect on that. So what did you say if people that are, maybe someone are going through a, a difficult situation around now, they, they see that their vision is not really matching around right now or either with a business partner or a situation even like that with the training, what do you suggest? Yeah. One of my favorite quotes by Jim Rohn, who's one of my mentors is, you know, if, if uh, you are in a bad situation, change, you're not a tree, right? Exactly. He used to say that all the time. You're not a tree. And it's often those uncomfortable situations and those uncomfortable conversations that we have to have in order to level up. And it's more about pivoting. When you recognize something is no longer serving you, you've got to make the decision to pivot and change it. And, you know, I, I, I tell my clients all the time, if you have a problem, if you think you have a quote unquote problem, and the answer to that problem is simply you taking action, then guess what? You don't have a problem, <laughs> you know, just take action on it. And I know that any time that I've been in an uncomfortable situation, it's, it's uncomfortable because I'm, it, it's time for me to grow. It's time for a change and it's time for me to grow. And oftentimes we build it up so much in our head that actually once we do it, it's like, oh, why didn't I do that, you know, sooner? And I think, you know, having you, you, you touched multiple times on this partnership, I think, you know, it takes a very special relationship, very special partnership to actually work, especially in a BJJ school. And my recommendation is if you are going to be in a partnership, you've got to make sure that that partnership, um, you know, helps to get you to the next level and isn't just more of the same. And I see a lot of jujitsu school owners partnering up with somebody that has the same or similar skill set. You really should only partner with somebody if they have a different set of skill sets that you don't have that will allow you guys to grow together. 
Uh, one of my mentors always says partners is for dancing and it's not for business. And, you know, it's just kind of more of a joke between the two of us. But, you know, a lot of times people go into partnerships because one, they may have fear that they can't do it on their own. Um, and I know we're going to, you know, talk about that here in a minute. But my suggestion is, is with a partnership, making sure that the partner is bringing something to the table and a skill set to the table that you don't already have so that you guys can get to the next level. And very often in jujitsu schools, we, we kind of see people partnering up with somebody that has that same skill set. Um, and, and I think that that's where, you know, those uncomfortable conversations and situations uh, occur. Yes. And matter of fact, I have a book next to me here. I want to show you. It's called Crucial Conversations. Um, great suggestion for people that this uh, crucial conversation tools for talking when stakes are high. So it's basically any time there's some type of discomfort, uh, how are you going to bring up the conversation? So this is a great book. I, I definitely got a lot of uh, good tips uh, from it. So it's a, it's a great one. And yes, uh, I totally get it too with the, we had an episode, uh, uh, with uh, the deck well made he's one of the co-owners of origin and we talk about making a relationship business relationship work and that was exactly what you said of looking for someone with different skill sets and there's always that good combination too of the the visionary and the integrator someone that it's that's more like process really organizer the other one's a little more the creative so it's always a good combination to have now, uh, when did you open Gracie Pack? Yeah, and just by the way, the whole integrator and visionary, Gino Wickman from Traction. Mm -hmm. uh, that's you know, one of the questions you gave me is, you know, what, you know, what, uh, what book would you want to share? And that mm -hmm. was it. It was Traction by Gino Wickman. Yeah. So uh, definitely, guys, if you haven't read that, go read that book. I opened Gracie Pack Martial Arts uh, in September. We actually just last week celebrated our seventh year anniversary. So September of 2012, the day that I also received my, my black belt. My instructor, Rob, though, he actually brought me on as co-owner of the kids program when I was managing his school. So, um, you know, I got a little bit of a taste of what that ownership was like, but he knew, and I always knew that the, the end goal was, you know, for me to have my own school. And it was, uh, you know, it was definitely a trying time. Um, I was going through a, a really tough breakup at the time and I had just launched a brand new school. And I pretty much did it completely on my own. Um, you don't see very many women owned and operated martial arts schools, nevertheless, Brazilian jiu-jitsu schools. Martial arts in general is very male dominated. The Brazilian jiu-jitsu community can sometimes be very machismo. And I'm just going to call a spade a spade, right? Sometimes it is. And, you know, there was what I felt a lot, you know, a lot going against me, but I was fortunate to have some really great mentors. You know, that's pretty much when somebody asks me, what's the number one piece of advice you can give somebody that owns a martial arts school? The answer is go and find a mentor who is living the life that you want. Shut up and listen to what they say and take action on it. And I was very fortunate to have my parents have been role models and mentors for me since I was very, very young. And I surrounded myself by people whose life I wanted to emulate. And it wasn't just surrounding myself. 
It was taking action on what they said. I think having a mentor and also having an accountability partner. Um, those are really the two decisions that can completely fast track your success. But uh, we opened in September of 2012. And how was the mindset back then? The reason I ask is because we have a lot of listeners who uh, do have entrepreneurs, you do have people in transition that they actually work with something that they are not really happy. They wish they were doing something else. They do have some some plans of possibly doing opening a business. So there's a note that, that comes with a lot of like sometimes fears and doubts or that moment of should I pull the trigger or not? So how was the mindset when you opened the school? Yeah, I'm, you know, I've always had a, a, a pretty grit driven mindset, um, which was instilled through the martial arts and, and with my parents. I honestly, and, and this is, you know, probably not how it is for everybody, but I never thought I would ever fail. I knew that no matter what, we were going to make it work. What I did experience and what I still experience now is, uh, you know, a term that has become very popular, but it's imposter syndrome. Uh, you know, there's some times where you question yourself and the, the key to overcoming that is just looking at how far you came, right? Like if you look back over the last 10 years from where I was 10 years ago to where I am now, I mean, it's, it's my life has completely changed. Um, but I think imposter syndrome is, is a, is a, is a thing that is, you know, happens for a lot of entrepreneurs and that sometimes can be the reason why people don't pull the trigger because sometimes you question yourself of who am I to do this? And you know, the answer is, well, you know, why not? Why not you? All right. And that's what I tell myself. Why not you, Chris? You know, why not you as a female to have one of the most successful Brazilian jiu-jitsu and MMA schools, not just in Tampa, not just in Florida, but in the world? Why not you to help other school owners? Why not you? Um, so for me, I've dealt with imposter syndrome, um, you know, and it's something I, I still deal with today. And I think, you know, one really great way of overcoming that is journaling. That has been a really powerful practice for me. And I literally have stacks of journals where any time that that imposter syndrome is creeping in, I go back to those journals that, you know, have dates of 2007, 2008, when I first started on my personal development journey. And you see kind of how far you've come. So I've never really had a fear of failing. I think the fear has lied more in, am I going to reach my human potential, right? It's not a fear of failing. It's, am I, when I'm on my deathbed, going to be able to look back and said, you know, be able to say, I gave it my all. Um, and, and that's really my fear. It's, it's not a fear of failing. Beautiful. And one thing that you said, I have shared in a podcast at some point, there is a strategic coach from Canada called Dan Sullivan. So he has this concept of the gain and the gap, and it's very similar to what you said, comparing yourself, because that's a problem when you start comparing yourself with others or think, thinking like you're having the vision, and you haven't achieved that vision yet. So it's basically the gap. It's when you're, you achieve something, you've been in your journey, in your entrepreneurial journey, and then you have that vision that is like in your, your horizon. It feels like you keep walking and you're like, I'm walking and it's not getting there because it's not getting to the vision. And that's when it brings a lot of frustration because you're stuck in a gap and they forget about, don't compare yourself to the vision to where you want to be, but where you started, like you said. So that's the gain. That's like where 
where were you years ago and now where the business is? I use this, the gain and the gap concept to a lot of students, especially the white belts, when sometimes they've been training for three or four months and they're like, Gustavo, I'm training and I'm discouraged. I cannot get the moves. And, 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 I saw, and I saw saying like the problem is that, and then I explained to them the gain and the gap. I said, you're, you're stuck in the gap because you're looking at this higher belts rolling and you feel the division that you should be moving like them but they've been doing this for years they've been doing this a lot longer longer than you so i always my question is if you have to have a match right now you against you your first day you who would get the best of it and they always laugh and be like yeah there wouldn't be a match you know so make sure that you compare yourself to when you started so now we can be in the in the game not in the gap of the frustration that because otherwise, you're going to be chasing happiness. Never, it's never going to be good. Never going to be enough. Oh, but I don't have this. Oh, someone has a bigger house. Oh, someone has a bigger program. Someone has whatever. So a uh, great concept for people interested. You want to take a look online, The Gain and the Gap by Dan Sullivan. Yeah, I love it. And uh, I think especially as entrepreneurs, we can get caught up in uh, you know, chasing goals, right? And and setting goals and, and wanting to achieve them is, you know, a, a great way to achieve success. But understanding, and we tell our students this on the mat, it's about the journey, right? And I really didn't understand that until I earned my black belt. And when I earned my black belt, you know, and, and obviously those of us that are black belts, we understand, you know, it's, it's kind of like starting all over again. But when I earned the black belt, I truly understood what they said when they said, enjoy the journey, because it really was the journey through the ranks and being on the mat and the relationships that were created and the challenges that were put forth and overcoming those. That was what was so amazing. It wasn't just the culmination of, of it with the belt being tied around my waist. So, you know, I think as entrepreneurs, we can get caught up in that. I actually just did a live video earlier uh, this morning for our parents, uh, for our school, and we're talking about setting goals and, you know, how we can get so caught up with the end result being the happiness, right? When I get the house, when I get the car, when I get the boat, when I get the raise. And we really have to understand that, it's, it's about the journey and it's about progress. For me, progress equals happiness. I am happiest when I know, when I know I'm progressing, even if it's just in the slightest. And, um, you know, going back to that gap in that game, I think a big part of it is having gratitude as well. For me, that's one of the main reasons why I journal. I literally, and, and I learned this from Tony Robbins, any, you cannot be upset with where you are right in this moment if you are grateful for something else, right? So if you're focusing on all of the great things that you've done, you can't be upset in that moment. So when I find myself becoming upset or thinking, man, you know, we should be here by now, I simply, you know, try to switch my perception and say, well, look how far we come and look how much we've done and how many lives we have already changed. And another book that is great, The, the Power of Now, Eckhart Tolle. And Absolutely. Talks, what I, my main takeaway from that book is when it talks, time is an illusion. Because sometimes people live in the future, so they get, they get stuck in the future, now they're anxious, or they get stuck in the past, now they're depressed. You know, something that they wish it was better, 
because of the past of, as you mentioned, for like maybe even decisions that were made in the past and no matter where you're at in your life right now, it's based on the decisions that you that you made. And uh, it's very hard. And I've been talking in the podcast about this too, of trying not to label things sometimes or, or positive or negative or good and bad. It's just an experience. Because something that I guarantee you for all the listeners may have some undesired outcome that happened, maybe let's say five years ago, that when it happened was, let's label as negative and not ideal. However, now five years later, you're like, thank God this happened. And I'm just grateful that I went through this experience to be where I'm at today. But when it happens, it doesn't look that good. So the suggestion to it's be a little more present with the now understanding that what is going through right now is an experience that maybe is an undesired outcome, but that can lead, that's what can catalyst your growth. So you never know. I love it. And I think that's a very important lesson for entrepreneurs because do get so caught up in the future that sometimes, you know, it's, we just literally have to stop and, and be present. Great point. Yeah. Now, what did you say is the worst entrepreneur you experienced one of the worst that you ever had and what did you learn from it? And you can choose any part of the business or it could be with your school, but what was the tough experience? What did you learn from it? Yeah. So a few years back there were, you know, they say everything happens in threes. All right. So I'm actually going to share three of them because uh, the culmination of them were, is what, what I, I would consider my worst entrepreneurial experience. So um, a few years back, we were sued. There was an incident that happened in our facility, and we were sued uh, for a negligent, uh, negligent condition on our property. It wasn't anything to do with negligent care. You know, I have just actually recently started sharing this story because it was a very traumatic experience, especially when you work so hard to build something. When this thing is what feeds your family, the thought that it can be taken away from you is, you know, incredibly scary. Um, and then shortly after that, we got audited by the IRS, which if you've ever had to deal with the IRS is not a fun thing to go through. It's a very long drawn out process. At the end of this eight month process, they came back and said, we owed $10. Like this entire eight month, you know, like we run things by the book, but you never know when you're dealing with the government. Right? So that, that, um, on top of being sued. And then in Florida, there were a lot of after school programs getting shut down by the DCF, the Department of Children and Families, because they were claiming that we were operating as daycares. Well, an after school program is not a daycare, it's an enrichment program. It's an after school enrichment program. There are thousands of them around the country. There are a lot of martial arts schools that their main form of income is an after school program. And our biggest competitor that was right down the road got shut down by the DCF. The day after they got shut down, we got an anonymous complaint, anonymous mm. in quotations, that, that we were operating as a daycare. So having to go through that, and it was just kind of one thing after the other, you know, the lawsuit, the IRS, and then dealing, you know, with this DCF. And we were completely not operating by a daycare. It was an after-school enrichment program, and it was a very long, drawn-out process. And it was like, just like, come on, can we catch a break? And this all happened in a couple of months period. 
And, you know, I think for most entrepreneurs and for most people, it would have ended them having to go through what we went through. And at the end of the day, it made me realize really the type of grit that me and my wife have, and we were able to get through it. And, and really everything is figure outable. Like, I think that's a word, right? Like you can <laughs> figure out anything. And um, for me, again, you know, I, I keep touching on this, this grit that has, yes. that is exactly what has allowed me to, you know, overcome some really bad experiences. And, you know, if you had just said this, sometimes, you know, we look at things that happen and we will label them as something bad. I look back now and I am so grateful for the lessons that I learned because it made me a better entrepreneur. It made me a better and smarter business person as well. So it didn't happen to me. It happened for me. And I wouldn't have been able to say that when I was in the thick of it, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty, but it literally turned me into a stronger, better businesswoman and entrepreneur. And it happened for me. It wasn't something that happened to me. One thing that you mentioned, we keep talking about grit. And you mentioned how a lot of people probably just cracked with that. It'd be like three things back to back of you, you know what, this is not for me. But the thing is that you have that entrepreneurial DNA. And this is something that Gary Vaynerchuk talks about. Some people have entrepreneurial DNA. Some people have entrepreneurial tendencies. Tendencies is, that would be cool to have my school. And if it doesn't work, I can always get back to my gig. Uh, when you have the DNA, like, we're making this happen. Even if it's maybe eventually you're going to go to a different business or route, but you're going to be an entrepreneur, you're going to be creating. And that's something that it's important people knowing themselves going into the business, just understand that some of these things will happen. And uh, understanding like, do you have this DNA to really pursue and deal with complicated things? And that's when you come again, why are you doing everything? What you doing? This is super important and have brought it here in, in the podcast multiple times of having the balance of the intrinsic and the extrinsic motivation, the intrinsic that, yes, you're doing what you love. You, you feel that that's your mission, plus the extrinsic motivation that you can support your family with that. So having a balance and sometimes when people just focus too much in the extrinsic, the, all the, the awards that you get and the money and the whatever, and then something like that happened to be like, you know what? Nah, that's not for me. I'm going to stop. So major props on that because it's a, that's a tough one, like back to back. Yeah. You know, I mean the, uh, I think partly due to social media and especially with Instagram, uh, you know, entre like being an entrepreneur is like the buzzword, right. And that everybody, you know, entrepreneur either I've got freedom. Like, do you really know what it takes to be an entrepreneur? And you're not going to know until you jump into it. And for some people, it's not for them. And I think what's important to understand is that's okay, right? Like yes. it's okay if it's not in your DNA. But I think a lot of the people that have entrepreneur tendencies ultimately end up working for people that have entrepreneurial DNA. Absolutely. Now, what would you say? to what message you like to give to the entrepreneurs out there that could be beginner entrepreneurs experienced a message that can apply to everyone. 
Yeah, so I, I kind of want to touch on two different two different points here. So uh, my very first tattoo that I ever got is right here. And I was like, I don't know, 18 or 19 years old. And it's a sacrifice. And I think it's really important to understand as an entrepreneur that you there are going to be times in your life that you truly are going to have to sacrifice, but not to lose sight of having an abundance mindset. Because I think people that sometimes you know, like, oh, I've got to sacrifice, I've got to sacrifice. They sacrifice because they think that uh, knowing that certain time periods in my life I've had to sacrifice, but in the back of my head, always knowing that there is abundance, all right? And then the kind of the, the main topic that I wanted to share, because I like, I like providing uh, actionable advice, right? Something that an entrepreneur can take away, immediately implement into their business, and then see results. And in my opinion, whether you are running a martial arts school, a dance studio, whether you own a trampoline park, whether you own a retail store, whatever it is, there are three things that every single business must implement in order to be successful. And in JITS University, we call them the three T's. All right. So the first T as an entrepreneur, and I think really the best skill set that an entrepreneur can have is the ability to drive traffic. Okay. So the first T is traffic. Whether you are, you know, a kid running a lemonade stand or you're a martial arts school owner running a jujitsu school, you've got to drive traffic to your business. Okay. Sales are the lifeblood of any business. And I think that can be an uncomfortable conversation for a lot of school owners because they don't want to be considered a McDojo, right? Like anytime you see, you know, BJJ school owners being successful, there's always those critics saying, oh, well, they're just a McDojo. And just because you are successful does not mean you are a McDojo. You have to understand that the, most of us opened up our school because we wanted to spread the art, right? The art changed our life. We know how powerful it is. We have a passion for it. And we want to share that to other people. But here's the thing. You cannot share it with other people if you can't make the rent. So in my opinion, one of the absolute best skill sets that an, entrep an entrepreneur can have is the ability to drive traffic into their facility. And this is one of the reasons why I started studying digital marketing. I started studying it about 10 years ago. I have a digital marketing agency now, and we help other school owners specifically drive traffic into the facility. So the first thing you have to do is you got to drive traffic. The next thing that we have to do is we have to build a tribe, okay? You have got to build a tribe of loyal followers. And so many school owners get so caught up, you know, once you understand like, yeah, I've got to have new students if we want to keep the lights on and we want to make payroll and we want to, you know, uh, be able to pay the rent. But getting new students isn't enough. You have to focus on tribe strategies, which are really retention strategies. And this is for any business. How do we get our customers to keep coming back? And I think jujitsu schools, for the most part, really lack tribe strategies. Sometimes they focus too much on just driving new students. But if you keep driving new students and you got the back door open, they're leaving as quickly as they're coming in. So the second T is building a tribe. 
And then the third T is thriving, okay? You have got to make money. This is business, okay? And I specifically, when I start working with, you know, school owners, I tell them, listen, if your mindset is, is just running a passion project, we're not going to be a good fit because me as a consultant, I want to help you help more people. And in order for you to help more people, you have got to make money. You've got to thrive. So I think with those three puzzle pieces of driving traffic, building a tribe of loyal followers and thriving, if you understand that and implement that, you can be successful in any business. And for most schools, when I'm consulting them, they're usually lacking one of those T's. So let me give you an example. Maybe you do drive a ton of traffic and maybe you have good tribe strategies, retention strategies, but maybe you're only charging 50 bucks a month. You're not going to have enough revenue to thrive. Or maybe you have a solid group of guys, right? And maybe you do charge industry standard, which is around 150 a month, but you don't have any new traffic coming in. Well, guess what? Everybody quits. And the people that don't quit BJJ and martial arts, guess what they end up being? They end up being instructors and school owners, okay? So you have to constantly have traffic coming in. And then you'll see school owners who do have a ton of traffic and are charging a decent amount of money but don't have that tribe strategy. So guess what you end up feeling like? You end up feeling like you're a hamster on a wheel because as fast as they're coming in is as fast as they're going out. So whether you own a martial arts school or a dance studio or a bounce house or a lemonade stand, you have got to implement those three T's and you as the school owner have to implement systems that allow you to drive traffic, build a tribe of loyal followers and ultimately thrive. This is awesome, Chris. That was really good. I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Now, about high-performance habit, what would you say it's a one high-performance habit that you have, that you practice daily? Yeah, I mean, we're going to keep going back to it, but grit. And I want to explain go. where this was really built. So um, I started Taekwondo when I was eight. About the age of 10, 11, I wanted to start learning the piano. My grandmother had a piano. We would sit around the piano on Christmas Eve, and she would play, and everybody would sing Christmas carols. And I really loved music. So my parents decided to bring me to a local, uh, you know, um, instructor here. And they told me, they said, Christina, this isn't cheap. It was around $200 a month for piano lessons. Okay. And my grandparents actually, um, uh, offered to pay for it because my parents were paying for martial arts. So my grandparents were on a fixed income, right? And they offered to pay for this, which was a huge deal. Now, my parents said, listen, if this is something you want to do, we're going to sign you up, but you're not going to quit. So are you ready to commit to this? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I want to do piano, please. I love music. So they signed me up for piano. And after my very first lesson, my music teacher, her name was Esther Leopold, the most piano teacher sounding name you could possibly <laughs> think of. And she said, Christina, you have to practice every day for an hour. And I said, what? Every day for an hour, you've got to practice seven days a week. Well, this was about the time I was in middle school. And middle school here in Tampa doesn't get out till four o'clock. Well, guess what I wanted to do after school? I wanted to go straight to the, the Taekwondo school. 
because I wanted to go train. I was one of those kids. I was there helping. I would literally beg my instructor to clean the mirrors and to vacuum, and I'd be happy like scrubbing the toilets. Like that's how much I love this martial arts school. Well, my parents said, well, you have to practice before you go to karate because I wasn't getting out of karate until really late. So my only option was to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and practice for an hour. Now you're talking being 11 years old, having to wake up at 5 a.m. to practice Bach and Beethoven and, you know, Chopin. And I hated it and I wanted to quit. I'm not an early riser. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to be an entrepreneur because I did not want to have to go to work early. And I literally hated every moment of it. And all I did was complain and whine. And my parents would be sleeping and my alarm would go up. And my parents would literally wake up to me playing Beethoven and Bach. And my instructor would only allow me to play classical music. Like I just wanted to play music that I heard on the radio. And I wanted to quit. And my parents said, no, you committed to this. You're going to do this. And, you know, as school owners and instructors, we see it time and time again, kids not wanting to do something, telling their parent, I want to quit. And the parents saying, okay, you as a parent are doing a disservice to your child if you allow them to quit something that you know is going to make them a better human being and is going to put them on a path to success. And this was a constant argument in my house, but my parents stuck to their guns and they said, no, you committed to this, you are going to play. And I am so grateful that they gave me that gift of having to sit at that piano every morning at 5 a.m., me not wanting to do it, but going ahead and doing it because I know I had made a commitment. That built grit, that built discipline. I ended up having a full scholarship to college, an academic and an extracurricular scholarship. I got extra money to go to school as an honor student. And I 100% know it was because of the skills that I had developed not only on the mat, but sitting in front of that piano and my parents telling me, no, you're not going to quit. And I think it is something that is completely lacking in today's generation and that a lot of parents are doing a disservice to their child when their child says, I don't want to do, you know, I mean, us as adults, how often do we say, I don't want to go work out or I don't want to do it, right? Like that is a part of life. And that, you know, again, it comes back to that grit that my parents had helped instill by telling me, no, you committed to this, you're going to do it. And I'm so grateful for that lesson. And, you know, I, I joke all the time and, you know, you had, you know, asked, like, did I ever feel like I was going to fail? Like, no, because nobody's going to outwork me. I might not be the smartest person in the room, but nobody will outwork me. And that's because I, I, I consider myself the definition of grit. Nice. I don't know if I would be able to do that when I was 11. <laughs> I wake up at five. I don't know if I would be able to pull that off. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, my, my, my parents had to sit there and, you know, I mean, I would tell them I hated them and, you know, and they knew that it was the best thing for me. And I'm forever grateful for that. So what did you say is the best advice you've ever received? That can apply in any, in anything, martial arts life. 
Uh, yeah, so um, work harder on yourself than you do your job. That, to me, it's, it's about, yeah. yes, Jim Rohn again. Um, you know, when I read that, I think a lot of people, especially in corporate world or, or people that are just kind of working a nine to five, you know, have this like attitude of just doing the bare minimum to get by. And I always, in every job that I had, did more than was expected of me because I knew it was about becoming a better version of myself and working harder on me and developing my skill set because that would ultimately that would ultimately help my future. And, you know, to play off of Jim Rohn again is, you know, my, my by far my favorite quote from him is somebody is sitting in the shade today because they planted a seed a long time ago and plant those seeds, right? The best time to plant the seed was 10 years ago. The next best time to plant the seed is right now. Um, so, you know, work harder than you, you know, on yourself than you do your job, guys. And I love that too. Probably this is a advice because it would be my next question. My advice I'd give to my younger version would be that to work harder on yourself than you do on the job. And I wish I got involved with personal development sooner in a way. But again, um, I had to go through my, my journey to kind of figure it out and being studying personal development now for about 10 years. But uh, when you look at the importance of that sometimes, not sometimes, I think a lot of people neglect that the personal development and sometimes they're not ready and that's okay. You know, hopefully um, you get to a point to, I always suggest, you know, to read and audiobooks. There's so much free content, you know, just got to invest your time. Uh, oftentimes it's not, if you want if you're ready to take to another level, yes, invest money, but at least invest time to consume some of the free content because there's so much good stuff out there. Yeah, I mean, we're all consuming content pretty much every second of the day. You know, I mean, we literally walk around with movie, like a movie theater in our hand and a TV station in our hand, and you're going to consume content. And, you know, I, I work with a lot of school owners that, you know, they say, oh, I just don't have the time. And I'm like, you were just posting this weekend about binge watching Netflix. Like you have the time, uh, you know, it's just what are, you know, what are you consuming? And again, you know, like you said, we all have access to Google. You know, I literally businesses have been built on Google and YouTube and the excuse of not having the time is, is just that it's an excuse. We all have 24 hours in a day. How you spend those 24 hours is going to determine whether or not you're going to be able to get ahead. And again, that goes back to, you know, how I talked about sometimes and some stages in your life, you are going to be in a sacrificial stage. That doesn't mean your entire life is going to be that. But there are certain time periods where my partner and I are, are pulling 18 hour days because that was what was required to get to that next level. But that doesn't mean every day is like that, right? So understanding that there are stages in your entrepreneurial journey that abundance mindset throughout that sacrifice. We're talking about the sacrifice and another quote. So we were talking a lot about Jim Rohn, but work full time and you live in part time in your dream in one day you know, with the sacrifice and discipline, you know, we will turn around. And I had a chance to experience that moving to the U.S. I have shared my story in different moments in the podcast, but moving to, to the U.S. in 1999 just brought 2,700 bucks. My tourist wow. visa, that's about it. And I did not, of course, my dream since I was 16 to have my own academy. 
but uh, I didn't come here to teach jujitsu. At first, I came to like, I need to work, I need to survive. So at first, I wasn't even part time in my dream. I was just full time on surviving on my living. And then eventually, I had an opportunity to teach twice a week. So that became a little part time. And then from 99 to 2005, I was, I was able to have different jobs and teaching jujitsu. And then since then, probably beginning of 2006, I only work with things that I really, uh, it's, it's in line with my vision. That's all. However, that sacrifice you talk about, that grit to pursue, okay, this is the vision that, that I want and moments that, and, and I, one thing too, it's necessity is a, it's a hell of a, hell of a motivation. <laughs> you know, when Absolutely. You're like, when you're like, Hey, uh, my son's not. I gotta eat. eat. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta eat. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely the sacrifice that uh, we're gonna have the phases, like you said, and go through waves, you know, depending on like what phase, what are you doing? Are you expanding? I'm in a good that, it, you know, if you're just cruising, uh, that's okay. But at one point, you're gonna have some new challenges. You wanna step up. And then again, comes that wave of kind of some of the sacrifice back in again. Um, what would you say? What advice would you give to the younger Chris when you opened the school? Not that you want anything different, but after the seven years experience and you could have a conversation and tell her just one thing, what would you say? Uh, eliminate anything in your life that is not serving your future self. And that was um, a lesson that really has hit me hard in 2019. Um, I stopped drinking. 307 days ago. And it wasn't because I thought I had an issue with drinking. It was, I just kept feeling like this next level was so close, but it was just out of reach for me. And the second that I made the decision to stop drinking, my life has just literally skyrocketed. And maybe it was just a mental block that I had. Maybe it's all the extra, uh, you know, energy that I had. And it was, you know, it's one of those things like sometimes you got to give up the good for the great. Like life was good. I had three booming businesses. It's like, you know, I've, I've, I've got an awesome family, a, a wife that adores me. But sometimes you have to, you know, make those difficult decisions of eliminating anything that isn't going to serve your future self. And, you know, whether that's spending money so that you can invest it, right? Eliminating that or eliminating something that is holding you back, whether that's going out or eating too much or watching too much Netflix or maybe drinking too much wine at night, um, really getting honest with yourself and eliminating the things that, that no longer serve you will really help you to take it to the next level. This is great. And suggestion for the listeners, sometimes I do lives too and, Sometimes I talk about there's a when I talk about courage, sometimes I like to give like a let's say a homework for people at the end saying that, you know, if I if I if I was even more courageous, what would I stop doing and start doing something that is not serving you anymore? And you take that courage to be like, you know what, that's it. I'm today. I'm stopping this and and I'm moving on and I'm making progress. So just my suggestion for people to reflect on exactly what is said, what exactly you feel that it's not serving you anymore. 
and it's time. You know that it's time, and that could be the catalyst to take to another level the same way it did for you. Absolutely. I love it. Now, uh, you mentioned about the book, and I didn't write it down, so I recommend the book and why that book has impacted you. Yeah, so Traction by Gino Wickman. Uh, he's written a couple of books. Rocket Fuel is another one, but Traction really – uh, was the book that took us, you know, from a mom and pop business to a professional business. And uh, he highlights the visionary owner and the integrator owner in, in that book. And I just think any, any business owner, not just martial arts school, if you're really serious about systemizing your business, which we know if we want to scale, we have to systemize it. And for most school owners, their systems are up here. Right. And it's not a system unless you put it down on paper and you're able to teach that to other people. Um, so for uh, for me and my wife, when we, we read the book Traction by Gino Wickman, it was just a complete game changer. And it's one of the first books that I recommend to school owners who really are, are ready to professionalize their business. I'll definitely have to check it out. Now, we're getting close to the end of the interview for people who are listening for the first time. After the interview, I just reflect on what was said, and then I create an audio from five to 12 minutes, always something to inspire, impact, and improve your life in some way. And you said so many good stuff here, though. You know, this is going to be, this is one of the, the <laughs> tough ones. When I say that is a tough one, the creating content is always tough. It's not an easy thing sure. to create content, especially to create good content. And my toughest ones are the, the best interviews are the toughest ones because there's so many good things that it, it can pull. So I try to get a takeaway. So people at least maybe focus on, hey, this is the take, my takeaway. Maybe can grow from this takeaway. But of course, if you're a business owner, I know that a lot of people who are business owners and listening to this interview, I highly suggest you to listen more than once because she didn't mention a lot of good stuff. And I love the three T's good stuff too that was awesome and how they all three they work in together like you said you know maybe you might be doing one well but not the other one and put all three in alignment it, it was great so what is excited going on um just let us know more about your programs anything that you want to promote yeah, so, you know, we stay pretty busy. I think what I'm really excited about uh, right now is the team that we've built. Um, I, I think a lot of business owners and martial arts school owners are of the mindset of when I make more money, then I can hire more people. And it's completely backwards, guys. And I had that mindset as well. You have to hire more people to help you generate more revenue. And the team that my wife has put together um, she is really the integrator. I'm the visionary um, has really allowed us to start focusing on other things that we're really passionate about. I mean, our academy really runs itself. Our team runs it for us. Um, my, my business that I co-own with my partner, David Jits University, absolutely love helping school owners, you know, change their life. That is going awesome. We've helped literally hundreds of school owners, very proud about what we've built. I was recently hired by the Martial Arts Industry Association, uh, Maya, which is owned by Century. So a lot of people have heard of Century Martial Arts. They are the largest supplier in the world of martial arts equipment. Um, and they hired me as their digital marketing consultant. So that has great. been a really great experience because 
it, I'm not only working with jujitsu school owners, I'm now working with, you know, school owners of all styles. And at the end of the day, a school owner is a school owner. There are specific, you know, struggles and challenges that I think BJJ school owners have to overcome that are different than traditional martial arts schools. Uh, but at the end of the day, we are all school owners. So that has been really exciting. My mentor, uh, Mike Metzger, gave me an opportunity um, that I just couldn't pass up. And then finally, I, uh, in March, um, built a, a new business called Grow Pro Agency. Uh, we are a digital marketing agency that runs Facebook and Instagram ads for school owners. Uh, and that's really that, that first T that we talked about, right? The ability to drive traffic into your facility. And for a lot of school owners, it's difficult. Learning digital marketing is, you know, pretty much learning a complete other skill set. And I think as entrepreneurs and business owners, we have to understand that certain aspects of our business, we either delegate by spending money and paying somebody else to do it, or we dedicate our time and our energy, right? You're either going to do one of the two. You're either going to have to dedicate your time and your energy and learn it yourself, or you can delegate it and hire it out and pay with your money. So you're either going to pay with your time or you're going to pay with your money. And there are absolutely certain aspects of your business that you should level up your skill set with. And then there are other aspects of your business that you should hire a third party to do it. And uh, we started this in March. It has skyrocketed. We have over 50 clients already that we're running uh, Facebook ads for. And it's really cool to basically see the impact, right? Having a brick and mortar school, I really can only impact the people that are within a five to 10 mile radius in my facility. With online marketing and online consulting and coaching, I can impact tens of thousands of people by helping other school owners. So uh, it's something that I'm really excited about. We just hired our fourth employee. Um, it's all remote workers as well, which uh, we've got two guys that live in, in North Carolina. We've got a guy in Virginia. We've got a lady in San Diego. So now, you know, learning how to run, uh, you know, a, a business that has remote workers has become a new challenge that I'm really excited about. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't be able to do any of this without my team. You know, if uh, you want to go fast, go alone. You want to go far, go together. And I'm, I'm very excited about the team of people that we have cultivated, the culture that we have cultivated in order to, um, you know, start setting new goals and, and new dreams and new businesses. I, I joke that I'm a serial entrepreneur. I, I love it. It's in my DNA, as Gary Vee would say. And um, I'm just excited to have the opportunity to help more school owners in a, in a different fashion. And also, you're you still holding mastermind groups too? Yeah, so inside of JITS University, we have our JACK, which is our JITS Academy coaching program, which is a group coaching program. We meet every Wednesday via Zoom. It's a live training. Um, you know, I bring my teaching expertise, and um, that's the JACK program. And then I have my A-Team Mastermind, which is one-on-one -on -one coaching, where you actually get to get on the phone with me once a month. Um, you know, it's more of a mentorship program. So, yes, we still run those as well. So, pretty busy. Uh, today, I've got three trainings, and I have five calls, and I wouldn't want it any other way. This is a sacrificial stage. Uh, my, my wife and I uh, just shared some pretty amazing news. We have a, a new baby on the way. So nice. come February, 
uh, you know, I'm going to be in a different stage of my life. And, you know, the most important to me is being present for my child. So, you know, that, that stage is going to change. And again, we talked about this, the ebbs and flows of your journey and owning a business and understanding the different phases that you're in. And right now it's a hard work pays off stage for me. Mm -hmm. Congratulations and congratulations on everything you've been doing and how much you've been doing for not only for the Tampa community, but the martial arts and jiu-jitsu community all over the world. So congratulations. It's been, uh, uh, and your program is, it's great. And as I mentioned right in the beginning, um, my coach's instructor, Sarah Black, has been implementing a lot of the things from Jits University. So great program. And how people can know more about it. Some Just give us a few websites for business owners. They want to learn more about it. Yeah, so our, our uh, website is just jitsuniversity.com. We actually have a special going on right now that you can try us for seven days for a dollar. I mean, for four quarters, guys, you can see exactly what's inside. If you don't like it, if you don't think we can help get you results, then, you know, you just cancel out. But you can go to jitsuniversitylaunch.com in order to take advantage of that. I'd love if you guys could connect with me uh, on social media as well. That'd be great. And if you're interested in having kind of a done for you, uh, you know, uh, ad agency, run your Facebook ads, help you with your digital marketing, you can go to growproagency.com. Awesome. This has been a great interview. I'm excited to add it so I can get to listen again and get some information. So I learned some good stuff today. So thank you so much, Chris. Well, thank you for your time and thank you for your energy and, and listeners, thank you for your time and your energy. Greatly appreciate it. So for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Oos. Peace. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with the second degree black belt, Chris Rodriguez. If you're listening just to the final thoughts on Instagram at Gustavo Dantas BJJ, she's the co-owner of Gracie Pack MMA in Tampa, Florida, the founder of Jits University 2.0 and the CEO of Grow Pro Digital Marketing Agency. It was a great interview and I highly suggest you to listen more than once since she dropped a lot of knowledge. She talked about dealing with imposter syndrome in the early days of her academy. She shared about the importance of finding a mentor that is living the life you want to live. Shut up, listen to them, and take action. Another great topic she talked about was the three T's to success. She mentioned the words traffic, tribe, and thriving. A great concept that if you didn't have a chance to listen, take the time to check it out. My takeaway from the interview came when I asked her, how does jiu-jitsu relate to life? And her answer inspired me to title this episode, Greedy, G-R-I-T-T-Y, Mindset. She mentioned how martial art teaches you grit, and grit became a theme throughout the interview. Today, I'm going to share with you a concept from the best-selling book, Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance by Angela Duckworth. Matter of fact, during the final thoughts of episode 52, titled There Is No Glory Without Sacrifice, with the co-founder of RSBJJ, Samir Shantri, we talked about resilience. And today, I will expand on Chris Rodriguez's most consistent high-performance habit she possesses: grit. Here's a short description of grit on Angela's website. Quote, in this instant New York Times bestseller, pioneering psychologist Angela Duckworth shows anyone striving to succeed, be it parents, students, educators, 
athletes, or business people that the secret to outstanding achievement is not talent, but a special blend of passion and persistence she calls grit. Why do some people succeed and others fail? Sharing new insights from her landmark research, Angela explains why talent is hardly a guarantor of success, unquote. So grit is passion and perseverance for very long-term goals. Grit is having mental and physical stamina and sticking with your plan, with your future day in and day out for a long time. That is why I probably heard many people saying it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. During the interview, Chris mentioned, I may not be the most talented in the room, but no one will outwork me. Now, let me ask you this. Which one is more important to you, talent or effort? Well, according to Angela, effort. She states that effort counts twice. What is she trying to say? Well, after 10 years of researching how to get from talent to achievement, she came up with a formula. Talent times effort equals skill. The equation continues. The skill that you developed times effort, a dedicated and deliberate effort for an extended period, equals achievement. That's why effort counts twice. So talent times effort equals skill. Then skill times effort equals achievement. The efforts needed for both building your skills and using that skill to achieve Talent is just how fast you improve your skill. How many athletes, for example, that you've heard in basketball, football, or whatever, who was extremely talented in high school and college, however, when they move to the pro level, disappear in one year or two. Of course, each one has a different journey, injuries, personal problems, the issues can go on and on. I'm not here to judge anyone. However, there's a good chance that this athlete used effort once, not twice. Angela mentioned in the book, Quote, without effort, your talent is nothing more than your unmatched potential. Without effort, your skill is nothing more than what you could have done but didn't. With effort, talent becomes a skill, and at the very same time, effort makes skill productive, unquote. Chris also touched a lot on the subject sacrifice. She said, at some times in your life, you will be in a sacrificial stage. It doesn't mean that your entire life is going to be like that, but you must understand that there are stages in your entrepreneurial journey that the greedy mindset will support you throughout these stages. As the motivational speaker Jim Rohn said, quote, someone is sitting in the shade today because someone planted a tree a long time ago, unquote. Someone went through some sacrificial stages to be sitting in the shade. So effort perseverance, resilience, grit, whatever you want to call, is the fundamental factor during those sacrificial stages. It's the only thing you can control. Now, let me ask you something. What is the most meaningful accomplishment that you have ever achieved in your life? In sports, business, academic, whatever comes to your mind. Whatever your answer is, it didn't just land on your lap. If it did, probably it was not that meaningful. To accomplish this goal, most likely you had to use the greedy mindset to stay focused, disciplined, and patient for a reasonable amount of time to conquer this achievement. I want to share with you one of the most meaningful professional accomplishments of my career so far. Let me ask you this. Where were you back in the year 2000? What was going on back then? Were you training jiu-jitsu or you didn't even know what jiu-jitsu was back then? 
Well, in 1999, I moved from Rio de Janeiro to Las Vegas to pursue my dream of making a living with my passion, jiu-jitsu. I stayed for nearly two years, and more specifically, in October of 2000, I moved to Tempe, Arizona, and started to plant the seed of two of my businesses, GD Jiu-Jitsu Academy and GD Events. I want to share with you about GD Events, which is my tournament promotion business. Do you remember the worst tournament that you have ever been <laughs> What was bad about it? Lack of organization, lack of schedule, crappy medals, bad referees. What was it? Well, as soon as I moved to Arizona, the competition scene was pretty horrific. After I attended two events, I noticed the negative patterns of the tournament. I thought to myself, if no one's going to step up and provide a better service, I will because I'm already sick of this. So on January 18, 2001, I planted the seed of competitions in Arizona. I promoted an in-house tournament and 40 people showed up. I kept doing in-house tournaments for four more years. And finally, in 2005, we broke 100 competitors and I promoted the first Arizona State Championship in a tiny church gym. During my journey, I went through many sacrificial stages like being awake for 36 hours straight to break even in a tournament. And currently, in 2019, the Arizona Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation has six events per year that bring four to 5,000 competitors per season. Now, let me clarify something to you. <laughs> I'm not trying to impress you with the numbers of my tournament. It's just to convey to you that when you plant your seed and you consistently adopt a greedy mindset during those sacrificial stages, if you stay focused, disciplined, and patient, the results will show up. I hope you're sitting in the shade of something that you planted a long time ago. Or maybe you already planted, but you're still going through an intense sacrificial stage. Keep going. Effort counts twice. If you believe in your goal, in your dream, keep grinding no matter what. You must have the grit, the passion, the perseverance to overcome all the obstacles along your entrepreneurial journey. Keep one thing in mind. If it were easy to pursue dreams... Everyone would do it. Oh, We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.